you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and joining me from Toronto today is a very special guest. Barbie Liss joins us for a high-impact conversation that I know is going to move you, and you will learn a great deal. I'm confident of that. Now, Barbie has a BA in psychology, is a certified life coach, Reiki and energy healer, and a retreat facilitator. She is a speaker and advocate for restorative justice and all things human. We're going to be talking about that here, restorative justice and all things human. So if you don't know what that is, stay tuned because we'll talk about it. Barbie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I am honored to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you here. And when we were talking beforehand, I was very, very interested in the component of restorative justice in your life and your world. But I know that this is not something that everyone has heard of or knows about. So what exactly is restorative justice? Yeah, good question to start with, because yeah, most people have not heard of it, and including myself, until it was brought into my life, I had also never heard of it. So restorative justice is a method of dealing with a, a crime situation that focuses on repair rather than punishment. So, and it honors that there's a ripple effect to a crime. So what that means is when there's a crime that's occurred, there's the person who was harmed and there's the person who caused harm and then there's a ripple effect to those people so their families their friends so restorative justice seeks to heal and repair the situation rather than punish the situation okay and for those that are unfamiliar with legal systems let's say in the united states and canada you, you may be listening from another part of the world but here in north america a a criminal justice system for example focuses more on punishment a, a so-called crime is defined as an offense against the state for which the perpetrator is sentenced or punished, yeah. Now, um, what what uh, what are some of the historical elements, if you know, of, of restorative justice? I mean, where did this concept come from? Yeah, it's been used for many, many years in indigenous cultures um, and, and others. I know the Jewish culture has it in and within it too, and a few other cultures as well. It's not a new thing. It's just not been used in our punitive system. Um, I'm not sure about in, in the States. I know in Canada, I now know in Canada, that it's actually in our Bill of Rights. It's just never used. And I'm not even sure that lawyers even know it exists. 
yeah, as I found in, in our story. Yeah. Oh, oh, you did. Okay. Well, they may not know and they may choose not to know. I, I, mm -hmm. I wonder. Um, <laughs> so for the well, listener, I, I've been to law school myself and, and I know a lot of attorneys. Maybe you're an attorney out there. Do you know if you're licensed in Canada, do you know restorative justice yeah. is an option? We'll find out. Right. So you were having this experience um, of uh, lawyers not knowing about this. So uh, how did, how did this become such a major part of your life and your message now yeah thank you that's that's my big question right there yeah so mm -hmm. my uh in the summer of 2016 my daughter was was raped and at the time she was 21 um and that journey launched us both on a on a on a healing journey um her her case ultimately became the first in North America, as far as we understand, to conclude with a restorative justice system. Uh, that was four years or three years post-rape, actually. But um, we did go through the whole preliminary trial thing. That mm -hmm. was a year post-rape. That first year was, you know, her healing, my healing. Um, that's a whole story right there. Um, but ultimately, for the restorative justice piece, she always just said that she she really just wanted him to look her in the eye and, and tell her how he could do such a thing to another human. And um, our justice system does not ever allow for that opportunity. Um, we had a prelim trial a year post-rape, which is, and I know it's the same in the States, it's very victim-shaming, victim-blaming. It's it was completely re-traumatizing after a year that had taken us to get to the place that we were at and that set us back several months in a healing journey um but they did determine at the prelim that there was enough evidence to go to trial and at that time she said to me like i don't i don't know if i can and truly i don't blame her i don't blame anyone who decides not to because what this system puts you through is it's shocking really um and she kept saying that that she just wanted him to look her in the eye and say that's what she wanted she didn't need him to go to jail or she wanted some sort of accountability and somebody said to her like so make that happen <laughs> right um at this point we'd still never heard of restorative justice and i think she actually posted somewhere this is what I want. Does anybody have any suggestions? And that's how we learned about restorative justice. Okay. It was not an easy yes. Mm. It was, it was a year of her fighting for this process. Okay. It was, it was our system saying, absolutely not. It was the judge who was to sit on her trial saying, absolutely not. It was. Ultimately, the crown who sat with her was her our crown attorney, which um, stands by her in Canada, right? That's okay. Her, mm -hmm. On our prelim trial, she helped her to get restorative justice through, and one other lawyer who advocates for restorative justice to push it through because the system and the the Supreme Court judges like did not want this to happen. Okay, well, so we're looking at a situation with an entrenched system and uh, an entrenched system that that as many people know can be uh, in in this 
type of situation can be very re-traumatizing, can be mm -hmm. very victim shaming. Question before we, we talk further about the, the legal process and how you all actually did the healing, what changed in your daughter to get her to the point where she sought a different solution? Um, I think my daughter, like myself, um, have always been people who have believed that love is how you heal. <laughs> and um, in that first year of, you know, I called it our cocoon where we just literally cocooned in our home. And, and it was a year of healing that first year post-rape and um, questions come to mind, you know, like she was in a really dark place. She was, she was suicidal at times. And for myself, watching her go through this process was traumatizing for me. And I took a whole journey of myself, but for, for me, what was coming up were questions like, how are we living in a society where this happens? Where have we gone wrong in humanity that there is even a rape culture? What, how did this happen? And then I went, that was like a big piece of my own journey and hers. And then I was finding that everything that worked for me as a mom up until that point, everything that I believed as a mom or my, my, intuitive responses as her mom, none of this was working right now, none of it, which made me revisit so many pieces of my own story mm. and messages that I received. So really in, in witnessing her responses to my responding to her, <laughs> if that yeah. followed, right? Yes. I was seeing a mirror of my own responses and I was seeing where so many messages and beliefs that I had always been taught and held to made no sense anymore and I put that together with where we went wrong as a society and all of it was a was so much part of my healing and so much a piece of my well, it's led me to do what I do today in like undoing so many messages that we've been taught. And I think in that process of awareness, the idea that love has to win here was above all else, mm -hmm. right? Because if we punish him the way that we continue to punish him in our culture today, we just continue to perpetuate that hurt people, hurt people cycle. And we literally change nothing. Mm -hmm. And if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? So it, it became a very, very deep-rooted, heartfelt need to bring awareness to the need for change. Okay. Right? Let's not, we can punish this man. Yes, we could. Mm -hmm. Or we could heal this man so that he sees a better way and becomes a better human. And now you know, instead of either nothing happening, which is usually what happens, or he gets put away for a few months and he comes out angrier and he can't get a job and he can't, you know, like his life is over and he, you know, and it repeats. Or what happened for us was ultimately he went through therapy and ultimately we had this restorative justice circle. And now we have a person who's been changed, a transformed human instead of a you know, we, we, we switch hurt people to hurt people. We switch it to healed people, heal people, because now he'll carry that message forward. 
Yeah. Yes. And, and for the listener, restorative justice outcomes are often thought in a, a well, in, in a different situation than a rape, than a violent crime, such as in juvenile court, victim offender mediation for, for property damages, things like that. The principle, however, is the same, is that love is how you heal. So, Barbara, you were saying that you had special help from special lawyers with, with the Crown to get the system to allow this to go forward. How long of a process was that? So I, I have to really give credit here to my warrior child because okay. she, she did this. Mm -hmm. and I was right there with her, but she did this and she... It took a year to get to get approval that this would be the outcome. The, the the judge that was meant to sit on her on the trial was against it, um, okay. and, and was a woman, which was interesting to me. Hmm. But she kept saying, um, you know, she did say to her at one point. The judge said to my daughter, she said, um, you know, I'm I'm doing this for you. Rape is a bad thing, you know. Right. And my daughter's response was like, well, I think if anyone here knows that rape is a bad thing, it's me. And if you're doing this for me and speaking on behalf of me, this is what I want. So still to her, the whole piece of consent and voice of the survivor was still being suppressed by the actual people who claim to be healing it for you. Right. It was it was twisted. And in fact, and this is one of my favorite, and I'm, you know, it's, I don't want to speak her story because it's her story and I have mine, but um, she said to me one day, if, if this doesn't happen, mom, I'm going to blow this up into something huge. And if this does happen, I'm going to blow this up into something huge. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you are a warrior goddess child. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and you, your reference, just to, to confirm, this is the first known instance in North America of restorative justice principles being applied, right, in this situation. In a sexual assault case. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sexual All right. assault, specifically for sexual assault. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that is a, uh, unfortunately, a lot of cases in the U.S. and mm -hmm. Canada. So that yeah. this is the first is historic. hundred percent. And what we found afterwards, because we were reached out to by so many people, um, because we did take our stories out. Um, I would say over 90% of survivors who reached out would rather have had this, had they known about it. Right. All right which is super yeah. interesting because I think that people who, who advocate staunchly for the system that we have, haven't experienced the system that we have. And when you're the person who's experiencing it, it's not what you want. It's not healing. It's not healing. Nobody walks out of a courtroom feeling healed. That's for sure. <laughs> right. We right. walk out of our, of our circle that day. And I'll explain the circle if, if sure. walked you feeling like uh, I could have floated. I didn't realize how much was still in my body that had to come out. Mm, okay. All right. Well, and you've referenced a couple of times a healing journey of your own, which we'll mm -hmm. certainly come back to. Um, I uh, am curious, 
so then you've referenced a healing circle. Now, was that the eventual outcome? Yes, exactly. So restorative justice very much honors the survivor of whatever the crime was. So in our case, my daughter, um, it honors her voice. So when looking for her restorative justice vision, they honor what her vision is. And that's what ours looks like. So anybody who chooses to go this route, they can create what they want it to look like. This is what she wanted it to look like. Okay. And it honors her voice, right? Which, mm -hmm. hell yeah, it should, right? Yes, yes. Um, so for us, it looked like he, as soon as it was decided that this would be the way, he began therapy. And our circle was not going to happen until his therapist felt he was ready for the circle to happen. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. And then at that point, we met in, um, I mean, I could dive in here if you want me to tell about the circle at this point. Uh, sure. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. I think that um, I think that it's it's relevant for for uh, people to know what's mm -hmm. involved in yeah. this level of healing. And actually, I could just jump a little back because I think it helped set the tone a little bit. On okay. Our, sure. Sure. You you mentioned before that I had spoken about healing journeys, and I think yes. our healing journeys are important to know for the for the vision of the circle okay. um, I, I her her story is her story again i won't dive into hers but i think it's fair to say that it's a hell of a ride you know people think that when you're when you're raped it's like wow that must have been an awful evening but truly that evening is the beginning of an awful journey and where that takes you i would never have imagined until i witnessed it myself um it was several months of, of catatonic and suicidal feels. And um, for me to witness this, you know, when you witness your child go through something like this, I now know is called secondary trauma. And it's definitely what I experienced. And, and like I said before, having to rewrite everything in our patterns of mother-daughter flow and my beliefs of how to, we had to learn a new way to communicate. We had to learn a new way to touch. We had to learn a new way to share a space and, and everything, it was, it was different. So watching her suffer threw me into my own slump, but I was holding her up. So there wasn't a lot of space for my slump. And it's sort of an interesting ride, which I'll, I'll just throw in there, if there are any moms of survivors out there struggling this path, I am here to support and guide because it is an unguided journey. Um, so all of that, as we healed, and she and I both being um, me more so now than I was then, but she's probably always been very spiritual, our healing took a very spiritual path as well. She was finding methods of healing and I was finding methods of healing um, that were for me, definitely the spiritual route was more beneficial. So that brings me to restorative justice, which has very indigenous roots. And she chose to have it really honor the system that they used in indigenous communities. Um, so our, we did have a restorative justice circle. Um, there was um, circle keepers, two circle keepers sure. that were the mediators. Uh, they met with each of us the day before privately, individually, so they could prepare us for the day to come. For myself, that was uh, 
conversation on speaking from a place of I. Mm -hmm. So they did not want me to come in and say, hey, this is what you did to my daughter. They wanted me to come in and say, hey, this is how what you did to my daughter affected my life place, right? right? Which was, which in itself was a conversation my daughter and I had to have because she had to be to me ready to hear what I went through. And that without her, you know, that's mothers and daughters, you know, like she, I don't want her to take on what I went through. It's not her, that's not hers. Right. But, but I knew she would anyway, we had that conversation and we had healed to a place of it's okay now. So our circle had um, seven people in it. Each, each person, the one harmed and the one who caused harm is allowed to invite um, I call them their ripple people. <laughs> like I'm a ripple, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh-huh. So my daughter brought myself and my other daughter, my older, her older sister, um, and she brought the two lawyers that had helped her do this. And he came with a friend. So there were seven of us in total. Uh, we were told to welcome and and um, honor each person as we came in the room, which as we entered, I mean, I, I think I've never had more emotions flow through my body in one day. You know, we walked in and I'm holding it strong for my daughter, but I literally want to throw up and pass out cold on the floor. And, you know, and there's a seating plan. And I don't want that seating plan because I want to sit beside her, but it made sense, the seating plan in hindsight. Um, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really what they did, it was, again, there was, so they honored the roots. There was, um, there was a, a, an altar in the middle of the circle that they had selected very specific pieces that were relevant to us and to our, and to our story. We were all to write on pieces of paper, three values that we hold and put our pieces of paper in the middle of the circle. Okay. It was very, very powerful actually. Um, and they had a talking piece. So okay. whoever had the talking piece was the only one talking, which kept, which kept it very um, powerful, really, is the word that keeps coming to me. And they let us in with the question, what brings you here today? And then they backed out and they closed the circle with the seven people. And that one question kept us there eight hours. We went around the circle three times. Mm. He was the last to speak each time. So really, it was several hours before that shell came to him. And he actually got to say, so for several hours, he, I call that first time around the circle, our soul vomit round, Okay. right? Mm-hmm. This is what brings you here today. Well, here it is, right? And it was all of us spoke before he had a chance to. So he sat and listened to each one of us say, you know, he listened to my oldest daughter say how he affected her life. And he listened to my daughter, my survivor, like mm-hmm. for over an hour, tell him what he, what that did to her life, what he did to her life, what it looked like. She got to ask the question, how could you? And receive ultimately exactly what she always wanted of him looking her straight in the eye and taking accountability. And uh, that was, I, I mean, the emotion that went through the room for me, I got to say to him everything I needed to say, like for three years that I didn't even realize I had so much I needed to say to him mm-hmm. to be able to get it out to offer, to have, to have a space in such an intense situation where you get to have voice and, and accountability and empathy and compassion and remorse and all of these things that need to come out, which is actually 
what leads to healing, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, I say to people like, think of the, the simplest moment in your life where you felt like you didn't get a chance to speak your voice. And the minute you get to, you feel your healing already begin. You feel that inner deep sigh happen in your body. Like you finally got to say what you needed to say. And so put it into an extreme story. And for all of us, I think nobody walked out without being a changed person that day. Yeah, eight hours. I can imagine the the change was was deep. Now, how long yeah. ago was this when the healing circle was finally able to happen? Yeah, it was just over a year. Well, it was a year ago in, in the fall. So yeah, just over a year ago. Okay. Hmm. Yes. So now it's been just over a year. Uh, how how are you feeling with with your healing journey yeah. now? A year since. I feel now. I think that circle for me, besides the healing piece, on it, it was has several components. Like there was the healing piece on the journey we just took from her from her actual rape into that was was extremely healing and I feel that I got out everything that had to come out from me but it was also for me that circle was almost and it was life-changing for that and this it was almost a validating permission giver on everything I've always believed in my life that others have looked at as naive and and sweet and cute but like naive and I you know that I've always felt that like we can heal through love and punishment isn't the way and you know it's not usually met with like yeah that's for sure right but this circle I, I to me it was like it took the ugliest thing I think the ugliest thing in society and it healed it through love and through hearing and through empathy and that I walked out that day feeling validation for everything I've always believed. And it took my, it took me from offering my, my coaching part-time to offering my coaching full-time. And okay. this is the message that I was brought here to offer. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that's very, very true. And it's easy to see how that would be the case after such a long journey um, with really excruciating periods of time. Now, um, are you aware of any other uh, violent sexual assaults that have been adjudicated in this way or resolved in this way? So I'm, I'm not, but I know that she and I have both spoken um, as often as we can on, to create awareness yeah for this as a method and mm -hmm. i know that you know we i hope that or i want survivors or victims to know that when they go to report if they choose to and they're asked do you want to press charges or not i want them to know there's a third option if they choose to have it and i i hope that it's happened since us because this has been precedent setting and if it hasn't, I hope everybody knows that it is available because the survivors and the allies of survivors that I've spoken to would rather have this because other, you know, you hear so many stories of he gets put away or nothing happens. And yes. then the survivor spends her whole life struggling through this. I can tell you honestly, 
I am healed and my daughter is healed. Mm, okay. Um, and not um, that there's never a triggering moment, but, <laughs> but healing, sure. yes. And mm-hmm. we now know how to navigate those triggering moments too, but, but healed. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, this is wonderful. And this is an example of the power of restorative justice. So disclaimer for the listener, this occurred in Ontario, in the province of Ontario in Canada. I do not know if it's available in all Mm -hmm. jurisdictions, wherever you are, you would have to check to be sure that this is an option. However, is, is this all of Canada where it is an option or just Ontario? It should be an option in all of Canada. All and of Canada, okay. If you, and, and I'll say this for the states too, because there are restorative justice options in the states, I don't, not every one of them, but if you are in that, if you find yourself in that situation, that's what you want. If you Google it, you will find somewhere in your area or near your area that you can reach out to. Yes, and as we've said here earlier in the broadcast, this is an option that's available for a number of different situations. And it's just, it's really wonderful that both you and your daughter are now shining the light on this. You mentioned a few minutes ago that you're a guide now for people in an unguided journey. Would you say some more about that? Yeah. I mean, you, I found out my daughter was raped and I, there's no manual on that. Right. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, when she decided to come home, to come back home with me, um, witnessing her journey and I would Google, I would like, you know, what to do when your daughter has been raped and it would say, take your daughter here. And then I would Google like mom of survivor and it would say, take your daughter here. And it was, there was nothing for me. There was no guide for me on what to do. And I literally can't hug her and I can't, I can't get through because she's catatonic on the couch and I don't know what to do with that. And there was really no information for me And I found, and this was, and I'll say this again, if there's any moms out there going through this, um, you're not alone and you are not selfish for struggling. Because, you know, people would say to me, you know, how's your daughter? And and 100%, that should be their first question. Absolutely. But somebody in my circle of people should be able to say, how are you? Right. And there's, there's very little for the mom and she's going through it. She's going through it twofold because she's going through it for her daughter and she's going through it herself. Cause there's my own journey that got pushed because of that. And I was holding her up. So there wasn't space for it. So I say it's a, a journey without space to be had because I couldn't fall or she would. If I fell, we both went down. So I had to keep us both up while I was falling. And Mm -hmm. it's unguided and it's unsupported. So I am here through my journey and methods. And I learned, you know, I'm grateful that she and I have a beautiful relationship and she is highly in tune with her needs. So, you know, she could say to me things like, you know, mom, I'm going to push you away, but please don't go. I can't do this without you. Whereas 
you know, many people would just push and not even realize they're pushing, sure. right? So I'm grateful that she is of that nature. And because of it, we definitely found a new way to be. I mean, communication skills changed our, our you know, sometimes we had notes and emojis, even if we were nonverbal that day. And, you know, this emoji meant this and like okay. just, you know, <laughs> like this signal meant that, like we had new ways to communicate and new, even things like, what do you want for breakfast? Sometimes wasn't an okay thing to ask. And, you know, everything had to shift. So we learned a new way to I learned a new way to see my own values and beliefs, to witness myself in my responses and revisit that. I learned a new way to hold space for somebody who is going through trauma. I learned it like it was really a learning experience that I've compiled into um, help for moms going through this. Okay. And actually, sorry, the, the funny piece of that is who often reaches out is the daughter, not the mom. So for mm -hmm. you out there, if you're a survivor, not knowing how to do the dance with your mom, or you don't have a mom who's supportive of you, I'm here for that too. Okay, wonderful. Have you had a number of moms reach out to you in the past year? I've had a few that have reached out. Yeah, okay. I think it's, uh, yeah, I've had, um, probably more of the kids themselves. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. You know, ours is, um, or mine is a, a generation that's grown up with very strict rules and shoulds and um, not everybody's open to shift. So when I started my coaching work, I thought I would be working with my own generation, but I'm really working with women between 25 and 35 I who, gotcha. who want to heal from the wounds of, Gotcha. Okay. Generations worth of wounding. Yeah. Yes. Well, and uh, you know, without asking or revealing our relative ages here on the show, mm -hmm. I, I think Barbara, you and I are the same generation with the same kind of upbringing and okay. rigid social norms. Yeah. Yes. Fairly yeah, rigid. Uh, very rigid and very um, not that open yeah to to shift then i'll say like yes that i mean uh, I'll, that you said without revealing and i've learned to um i've been stepped into revealing because i oh, feel that there's a a big part of what the reason why the younger generation is reaching out to me is because our generation has created a really big lack of that wise woman archetype okay and it's, yeah yeah. and it ripples and they're craving it they're craving mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. so uh, that's the energy that i offer my work through okay and then say some more then about uh, for for women that might be listening here the wise woman archetype mm -hmm. and uh, why that's so sorely missing for a lot of young yeah. women um the work that i offer is um it's healing for, for women who have, we all have, all women have healing to do that goes generations backwards. Um, our grandmothers, 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 mm -hmm. you know, we're healing still. Those are wounded messages that have been passed along for generations. And I think it's just come to now that the younger generation, younger than us is, um, is wanting to be the ones who heal it. It's our time. 
you can feel it globally. It's our time to heal wounds that we've been handed throughout mm-hmm. history, right? And um, the wise woman archetype would be the, is the, you know, picture the wise woman elder. I always use Disney as an example. Okay. Like, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Wise woman, grandmother, willow tree, or like Moana's grandmother, or like that wise woman elder that used to be honored and revered and prevalent in a society where, where the younger women, all younger women of every age and generation would come to that elder woman for her, her love and her nurturance and her wisdom and her guidance and her, you know, years worth of experience and then, and then come along, you know, our generation and our mother's generation who were taught anti-aging messages that, you know, you're not supposed to age or you're no longer worth very much. And, you know, if that, so what's happened in our embracing the anti-aging message is we've done a disservice to ourselves because we're not embracing a rite of passage and we've done a disservice to our daughters because they now don't have a path cultivated for them. They're feeling uncertain about where they're walking and where they step next because we have not led by example okay. in that area. Yeah. So I'm reclaiming that mm. from a, you know, along all that healing path that I've spoken, that I've walked in the past four to five years has come to, to all of it together has come to that place. And I sit in that seat okay. and offer forward yeah. to heal for women behind me and women ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it's very interesting. Um, as I'm listening here, I'm thinking this applies to all human beings because with yes. men and men's work, it's exactly the same thing as we have not led by example. And yeah. Yes, that, that's exactly it. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, you know, the patriarchy and I, and I follow the word patriarchy with, it's not just affected women, the patriarchy damaged all of us. And yes, I speak of women because currently I say currently, because that might expand one day, but I, I work with women and I'm, because I, I feel a passionate need to heal for women generations back and generations forward and but I know that there are men doing the same healing work for men and and I have a vision of one day maybe sitting in circle with all of us and healing it together but I think right now there's healing to be done for men and healing to be done for women and then we come together Yes. And uh, there are plenty of resources, especially for Mm. those of you listening to this podcast. uh, We we, we know that there are a lot of healing resources that are available for you, um, whoever you are, wherever you are. What we both invite you to do is reach out. So Barbie, how can people that are interested in working with you contact you? Yeah, thank you. Um, You can find me through email which is barbie at barbielist.com through Instagram, which is at underscore barbielist. I have a website, same name, barbielist.com. All right. I'm on Facebook as well, but I would say just email me or Instagram and Facebook Messenger, whatever, and I would absolutely be honored to walk with you on your journey. 
Wonderful. Okay. And then so to clarify, then it's Barbie at barbieliss.com, B-A-R-B-I-E at barbieliss, B-A-R-B-I-E-L-I-S-S.com and Instagram at underscore Barbie list to get a hold of you. And also how can people that are um, that are curious about restorative justice in general, where would they go for information about that platform? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you can reach out if, if you wanna have a conversation on that for sure. But I would just say, uh, Google it in your area. And there are places that have, or even um, lawyers that advocate for restorative justice. There's not as many out there, but there are some out there. So if you can connect with somebody who can help you, if you can find a lawyer in your area that'll help you navigate that path, it is available. Yeah. It is. And this is true across jurisdictions. So for the listener, wherever you find yourself, there are lawyers and attorneys that know of this and they can, especially if they know about it and believe in it, that yes. they can be a valuable resource for you. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Barbie, I have learned a great deal and this has been such a powerful journey for many people. As you mentioned, this has had a ripple effect and, and people were able to invite people in their own circle to the healing circle because of the ripple. And thank you so much for all of the time that you have spent and for your, your honesty in, in sharing all of this. It's a tremendously valuable, a valuable, valuable healing example for people. And I'm so happy that you, both you and your daughter are sharing it. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This has been so wonderful. I, I just want to say before we wrap up, let me give you uh, the floor here. What else, what else would you have to say for the listener before we go? Hmm. Um, yeah, I would say, thank you. I would say, um, Again, when I when I offer what I offer, it's not just to survivors and their families. It's to any woman who, who is realizing today that the messages and, and lessons she was taught through lifetime are impacting today. So childhood wounds that impact us today that leave us feeling sort of stuck or unfulfilled or like there's more, but I'm not really sure what it is. So that all goes back to healing, healing generational wounds that we've been passed. So yes, if you're feeling stuck or that there's something more for you and you're unsure why, or you're or patterns keep repeating and you don't know why because you already thought you did that one already. Um, I'm here for you on that. I'm, I'm hoping that you know if you are navigating hard times that you are not alone. And there is, there are people like myself who are ready to hold space for you and guide you. Um, if you are a survivor listening, I, I am here for you. If you're the mom, I'm here for you. I hope that you never feel the shame that society makes you feel because you don't need to it's not yours it's not yours to carry and um yeah there's help and i hope everybody finds their own peace 
Yes. Well, and then we thank you for tuning in to Decide to Transform today. This has been Barbie Liss is my guest and get a hold of Barbie if you'd like to reach out at Barbie at BarbieLiss.com or BarbieLiss.com for more information, including more information about restorative justice and the offerings that may be available to you. So Barbie, thank you so much again. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been Decide to Transform. Thank you for listening.